0: Welcome to another edition of Lococast.net. I am your host, Rick Harding, here with an extended crew today. First up, we've got Craig. How are you doing, Craig? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm tired. Let's get this done. Okay. No. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But actually, I'm kind of excited, so this might go a little bit long. We'll have to see. We have a special uh, guest with us. We have Chris Madano with us from the Pyramid Web Framework, which is a, a Python web framework, which I am a big fanboy of. So, you know, fanboy club in effect. Uh, how you doing, Chris? I'm good. Rick, how you doing? Good, good, good. So, um, can you give us a little bit of the uh, the quick summary lowdown? I mean, obviously, you're I, you know, I always say you're kind of the head of the pyramid. I I know it was kind of like a merger deal with the whole pylons, um, you know, merger, but um, it seems like you're kind of running the show.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, actually, the the project itself is called the pylons project. Still, right. And and the. The web framework uh that we have underneath of it well we have two now one is one is pyramid and the other one is the older pylons thing and um so you know to the extent that anyone's in charge uh you know me and ben bangert i guess are the titular heads of the thing gotcha and um so that's it's been about two years now that we've been doing it
0: so what are you? Uh, what are you doing? What's What's the day job? Like, so okay, we're your open source hacker on the on the side here. What's the uh, What's the day job gig? I'm a stripper. Really? No, no. no. I was looking into that career path. It did work <laughs> out. didn't did not work out so well for me. Yeah. So do no, you strip try, paint or? <laughs> <laughs> I strip
1: I strip people's eyes out of their sockets when I try to strip. Mm. Uh. No, I actually I'm a consultant. Um, for well, it's. I work for a very small company named Agendalist Consulting, and it's me, uh, Trey Siever, and another guy, Paul Everett, and we're all ex zope people, and I'm sure you'll have a bit to say about that, Rick, but
2: uh,
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Rick. Uh, yeah, for those of you who uh, don't know, uh, Launchpad's got a lot of Zope in it, a lot of old Zope in it, and so there are some days where I spend my head beating my head on a wall against the Zope bits.
1: Um, See the, the funny thing. The funny thing is that that, that stuff is news soap to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: news soap. lovely. I'm, I'm glad to know that I've got the new cleaned up version.
3: Yeah. <laughs> now with a fresh new taste. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, that's so that that's that's pretty cool. Um, so Chris is going to join us along for the ride. We'll have a, we'll do some chatting about some of the in particulars of what you, you're working on stuff. But um, let's jump into our events. So, first off, I want to get the heads out that Pi Ohio has released their call for proposals. Yay! Um, which is at the end of July. So, I know they wanted to manage the proposals through the website. So, they were a little bit late in getting it out because they wanted to get the website up and running and all that first. So, if you're interested in giving a talk, um, we've talked about this now the last couple of years, if you go back to old episodes. There's not a better conference out there to get your first talk in at because it's, it's low-key. The people are great. It's your standard Python community, which means that, you know, you can get up there and, you know what, give it your best shot. It doesn't have to be amazing or anything. But there's a lot of good uh, education material there. There's a lot of good help with things there. They had sprints last year so that, you know, there's your chance to kind of get a little mini PyCon feel uh, over a nice little two-day weekend thing.
3: Yeah, so. it's definitely a good time, and uh, be sure to get your reservations in early over at the Blackwell whenever they get the code
2: up. Uh, yeah,
0: that's definitely the nice hotel. hotel. It is a nice hotel for an, for an okay price, and um, it's, a, it's a nice little walk through Ohio State. Evil, evil, evil. If there uh, is
3: such a thing as a nice walk through Ohio
0: State for a Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a nice little conference. So uh, I, I would definitely recommend you guys keep an eye on it, and if you're interested in talking, submit your talk. But next up, let's recap Penguacon, which was this weekend. I still have my eyeballs in their sockets intact. Um, I, a... I have things that cannot be unseen. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Penguacon, which is a nice, interesting mix between like the sci-fi, um, I'm sorry, weirdo community and the tech community. Um, all in one. With a lot of overlap in there, mind which, you. Yep, there's a lot of overlap. Um, although I have to admit, I don't think any of my friends were seen in any Miss Piggy costumes, so I'm going to, going to draw uh, (laughs) that. You didn't see Saturday night, now did you? (laughs) Draw the overlap line right around there.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I, stayed for the whole weekend. I know Ricky only stayed for a couple days in that, but I had a decent podcasting talk with my other podcast, Open Metalcast, uh, and put that all together, released today.
0: Yeah. That's kind of cool to do a podcast uh, during your talk. So that was interesting and great. I'm sure everyone enjoyed kind of seeing that, hey, that's not so bad. That guy up there on stage can do it right during while he's talking.
3: Exactly. And I showed a lot of the automation stuff because it is important to automate stuff so that you don't want to not do your podcast anymore.
0: Yeah. Woohoo. Python scripting. Yeah, definitely. It's all up on GitHub. Check it out. Yeah, um, I gave a talk on UE versus like why you might want to use the YUI JavaScript framework instead of jQuery and did a little couple pokes and jabs at the jQuery, a uh, little uh, development environment stuff. Um, although I got to say, it was kind of depressing because I, I think at the end, I don't know that anyone will go actually use UE. And at one point, I kind of asked like, hey, we're all testing our JavaScript, right? And there's a room, maybe with about 25, 30 people and right. two, two hands went up. And so... Well, that's well, because beforehand it was really hard to test
3: your JavaScript. I mean, you had to you had to go through and pretty much do it by hand,
0: right? I think that's the definition of testing. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so once uh, once I got over my my de- my mass depression hit that hit when only two people got up there, I, I tried to really steer the talk to test, make sure to test, start testing. It's easy. Let me show you a test. How about some tests uh, through the rest of the talk? And so hopefully, uh, while you may not actually go use uh, UE, I- I'm going to hope that there's some people that go on and start looking at uh, some of the tools they can use, even on their jQuery side, to test their JavaScript. That would be a big win. And I the results have... Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, I, I must admit to being one of the non-testing JavaScript people. <laughs> oh! oh Steps. But I but I only but I only write a little bit of it. So
0: Yeah, no, and, and I did kind of break this out in the, the whole like, you know, my talk was was intended for people that write JavaScript applications, you know, real things that if you turn off JavaScript, just do not load and function. So um I, I think we've all been guilty of throwing a little, you know, show hide functionality without tests and stuff. But uh um, once you get I get up there and you're starting to get real objects and you're starting to do things like backbone and MVC and all that, then you know, if you don't have tests, um call me. Find me on IRC. <laughs> we, we we will chat. <laughs>
3: and it was also Ubuntu release weekend, so we also had the Ubuntu release party on Friday night, mm-hmm. which was very well attended. Uh, thanks yeah. Thank you for showing
0: up. We had that, and we had a, a panel about what's new in 1204. Right, and which so... is pretty much summed up quality. It's in there.
3: <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we, we, we had a, a, friend not, our, a friend in IRC that did. it. It's not spelled with a K, is it?
3: No, no, it's not. It's not. That's the cave. That's the KDE version.
2: Oh, OK. Uh, that's oh, the
3: quality, no. you know, Kowalski quality. <laughs>
0: hey, there's a plug. Advertise. You're not one of those Blue Martians, are you there, Chris?
1: I don't think so. But okay. I'm not. Sure.
0: So you're not you're, you're yes. not a, you're not a KDE. Uh, Kub- oh, no, no, no. Kubuntu. No. Whatever. I is
1: okay. as much as Mark tries to get me to go there. I, I, I can't
0: <laughs> resist. Resist the temptation. <laughs> I know. Um, and finally, um, I, I did have a little mini one-hour bookie sprint, which was like you know five of us in a room. But it was cool because um, I've done some work to kind of split bookie off into some side projects to make it easier to get into, and that really kind of worked out well. I gotta say, you know, I always like to talk about services versus applications. And it was kind of cool that a guy was like, hey, well, let me check out this bit of the service. And he checked it out and was like, oh, there really isn't a whole lot here. I might actually be able to hack on this versus like the main bookie application. When he pulls that out, he's like, oh, my God, I don't know where to even begin. (laughs) Um, And so I just want to say that, you know, hey, there's an example of, you know, splitting things out into small little parts definitely makes it more approachable for new people. And it was good to see that the work I've done to do that was kind of, well, it might not have paid off in commits yet, Um, at least the initial reaction was much more what I was hoping it would be. So uh, again, your own applications, think about where you can draw lines of communication and split things off into separate projects and uh, maintain them a little independently and more reusable. So it's a good thing. we've got Chris here. So why don't we hop in and let, let's let's drill Chris, you know, 20 questions, 20 questions. Um, so hit, hit me. All right. <laughs> so Chris, you're obviously, since you're a web framework developer, very heavy into web development and Python. And I had a guy who was asking me for help with PHP, kind of went, why would I do web development in Python? That seems weird uh, and complicated. So surely you have a selling point for this. How awesome is web development in Python these days?
1: That's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, I mean, no, no lack of choices for sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, awful, awful. You know, a lot of, lot of software you can use. Uh, I, I think that's the biggest problem is that, yeah. you know, there's just too many options. But, um, but lots, lots going on. I mean, you can't, can't fault people for trying. So. Uh.
0: In particular, I know that you, at the PyCon, you, there was a, uh, not a sprint, but a, um, a panel gathering of the the head honcho web developing minds. Um, do you have uh, any insight on anything cool that kind of went on in there? Any good directions to kind of watch out for going forward? Uh, well, you know, I don't
1: think much came out of that uh, that was... You know, sort of. Okay, now we're all going to march in the same direction, sort of thing. <laughs> all uh, right. I mean,
0: Wait, it, we can agree it, to agree. It, That's good. Uh,
1: we can agree. We can agree that we're not going to talk to each other. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I mean, I think it was good. It was. It was a. It was a swing and a miss, <laughs> mostly. Gotcha. But, uh, but I think there was just you know there were like ninety people there. It's oh not, really? Wow. Not a very intimate setting of you know gotcha. can really.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I so, know this was a little bit before the conference, so I, I know I didn't manage to get there. So I was kind of hoping to get the lowdown. Um, but yeah, ninety people—that's a, I mean, that's a full talk. That's not a uh, a small conference. Yeah, there
1: there were panels and and stuff, and so it, I mean, it was fun. We, I think, we all had fun. And and uh, but, uh, I think if I if we were gonna do it again, we'll probably just have you know maybe try to break it into smaller groups or you know sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, as it stood, it was just sort of like, you know, uh, just 90 people hanging out in a room together. I mean, it <laughs> All wasn't, right. Wasn't, wasn't much collaboration going on.
0: Well, that's, I guess that's good to know, uh, you know. Um, so uh, on the pyramid itself, the actual framework, um, I, recently, you, you know, you had the 1.3 release came out. Which seems goodness. Uh, a lot of changes in there, uh, especially if you're coming from like the old pylon stuff, where you're, you know, you're, the the paster seems to be gone and stuff. You got a kind of little bullet point summary on why 1.3 is awesome and why you should get your old pyramid apps up to
1: 1.3. Yeah, well, the biggest the biggest thing we did in 1.3 is that it's Python 3 compatible. Um, Woo So, so you can, you know. I mean, the core and most of the add ons are now Python 3 compatible. So you can, I mean, it's a real environment. I mean, you can right. actually do stuff. It's not just like Python 3 compatible, but, you know, the minute you start doing something, you're not going to be able to do something. It actually, it, it mostly works.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. No, that, and that's really kind of cool to point out that, you know, um, pyramid as a framework is a you know one of the knocks against it or one of the pros for it is it's actually a lot of moving parts because it's a an amalgamation of uh, several different libraries that do you know your templating library or your database abstraction or whatever you know it's actually a stack of things and all of those things now run on python 3 right
1: yeah i mean there are there are some outliers i mean if uh, you know i'm a i'm an Exo person you know or zop Zope zo person so i like zdb that doesn't run on python 3 of course, Pyramid doesn't depend on that, but it. Right. But I can't write my apps in Python three yet until that gets ported. So there there are things, but I mean, SQL Alchemy runs on Python three, and all the templating languages run on Python three, and you know that there are things like Pillow for image manipulation. Yeah. That don't you know? Uh, but for the most part, you know, if you just want to build a website, that uh, you know, uh, yeah, if, you, if you want to build a if you want to build a blog, without a doubt, we we have blogs covered.
0: Blogs no covered. Problem. All right, blogs covered. Wikis covered. Yep. Um, what's the new thing to do? Yep. To do lists. We can do those. <laughs> to do lists. No problem. No
1: problem. <laughs> no <a> problem. <laughs> oh, God.
0: Um, <laughs> no. So that's that's really cool and exciting to kind of see the Python three going. Um, how how was that? Because I, I know I think we kind of brought up at one point. You kind of got a little uh, uh, Free Software Foundation because they're amazingly awesome sponsorship to work on some of that. And and I mean I guess what's just your general overall. You know how's porting to Python three? You did it with a, a lot of different tools. So you know, were there more than one way to skin a cat, or is it all basically jump down one path? Or how did that go for you?
1: Uh, it was good. It was it was a Python Software Foundation. Uh, not, the free the free software. Oh, not sorry,
0: Python, not sorry, software, yeah. Python Software Foundation. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm enjoying my wine entirely too much right now. <laughs> uh,
1: but uh, you know, I mean, frankly, it kind of sucked. But I mean. <laughs> uh it, it it's done and you know it's it's a it's sort of one time pain i mean I, I right it took it took a long time to, to sort of get you know we had to get webob working and then pyramid and then all the pyramid add-ons and and stuff so you know it took a long time you know i mean it took, it took me about, personally
0: it took about a year didn't it I, I remember seeing a year ago that the goal was to have python 3 working yeah, uh, and basically a year later, you kind of think.
1: <laughs> yeah, we didn't. I I only really started working on it in earnest maybe in November last year. Okay. So it hasn't. But before that, at the sprints and last year at PyCon, we made. Yeah. We gave Web WebOb 100% test coverage, which was a precursor to being able to port it, and you know.
0: Yeah, and I so, think that's actually where I, I know I, I preached everybody that if you're going to port to Python 3, that the the number one thing is to have a suite of tests ahead of time. Um, before you actually write a line of Python three, and I think I picked that up actually from the WebOb sprint experience last year. And so, right, you were there. Yeah, I I, w- I was there. I, it's actually where, where Bookie got started. Uh, I actually started Bookie while well at oh, okay. the, the PyCon sprints a year ago. Um, right. So I I was there. I I didn't I didn't write any tests, so I feel bad now. But um, I was definitely paying attention to I what you guys it. were up to. <laughs>
1: I have to leave then. I'm sorry. Oh shoot. <laughs> write any tests?
0: Dope, <laughs> but I was writing Bookie in Pyramid, right? So that was why—that's oh, yeah. why I was hanging out. Um, uh, but yeah, so that, that, did that work out well? Then is that really? I mean, does that experience still hold true? That basically, if before you port anything to Python three, to get your tests in order first and foremost.
1: I I think that's that's step zero for <laughs> step for, zero <laughs> for everybody. Um, and the better you know, the better coverage you have, the better the, you know, the more the more confident you're going to be that it's going to run. And we, we, we never actually – I mean, the, the, the common wisdom at the time was, okay, you're going to use 2 to 3 to port to, to 3 or, you know, leave your yeah. own code base on we, – we, we actually never – I didn't. I, I just – because of the – you know, it's, it's sort of like going back to a compile step mm-hmm. because, you know, if you're going to run – if you're going to try to install it under Python 3, you can't use Python, Python setup develop. Because it doesn't run the two to three handlers unless yeah. you do some special things, so you have to do setup.py install, and then that takes a long time because two to three slow. In any case, it just it was just unsatisfying. So we we started out just writing cross compatible code where it would run on both two and three, which you know is kind of painful, but it's not as painful as you might think it is. It's not it's not undoable. Uh, it seems I, like it's I, more
3: long term sustainable. Because you're not I think, about two to three doing the right thing all the time.
1: Yeah, and I, I think also it's just you know you just you get to a point where where you're comfortable. I mean w- when you when you're depending on two to three to do the translation, you know you're you're not really getting any benefits out of the features of three or you know whatever. I mean you're, right. you're not learning you're not learning about Python three that much. I mean you know you're you're sort of relying on this tool and gotcha. do it my hand. By hand is actually not that hard, and you you know you get a sense of of where you know if, especially if you if you're interested in Python three and you want to get to know Python three you sort of get a you know it's all in your face and it gives you a good opportunity to see
0: it. That's cool. That seems to be the prevailing thought these days. I know at Canonical we've got a couple of uh, I call them Python bigwigs uh, like Barry Warsaw and such that are that seem to be following the same idea. They're really not a big fan of the two to three conversion. And more of a fan of writing code that's just that just works, that if you put it behind a Python two interpreter will run, and if you put it behind a Python three interpreter will run. Um, so that yeah, definitely and seems that, to be I mean, winning out. The the
1: issue right now, I, one one thing that that was interesting at the at the uh, web summit that we had yep. was that we were on a panel about you know it was. Panel was you know sort of people who had ported stuff to Python three and then Guido was there and 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 whatever and um, I I sort of asked everybody in the room there's ninety you know ninety people there I said yeah. is anyone running an, a web application on Python three now and no hands went up zero
0: none All right. and that's troubling you know I mean at this point. You know, I remember I used to I used to do, P- used to do uh, PHP development, and the big holdback I always ran into when I did PHP with the new version was getting hosts supporting the new version. So, do you think it's it's a big chunk of that is more? Is it more just the language and getting it written or? Honestly, at the top of my head, I'm looking at where I host things at, and I don't have anywhere that I would host a Python 3 app, right? Like Heroku doesn't do Python 3 yet. My EC2 boxes are on Ubuntu, you know, LTS, which are a Python 2. Um, are there places to actually throw Python 3 apps up to the web that you know of? I don't think so. Um, but
1: you know, I, I I don't I I am a total like cloud
0: moron so okay. i don't
1: know like i will like host my own apps and everything so
0: yeah i do a bit know. of both so that's why I was kind of you know um so I, I i'll be i'm hopeful i think some of the distributions are going to start getting python 3 out of the box in this coming year and i would be very interested to see if more python 3 starts showing up as the actual hosting environments show it and support it as well but um doesn't Arch yeah, I think...
3: ship with it right now?
0: Well, th- but no, uh, no offense. I loved Arch. I ran it for a while. Okay, yeah, Fan, you know. But aside from that, <clears throat> I don't know anybody <laughs> putting Arch on their servers to run and and selling a business on top of it. Right. So.
3: No, but I know twelve ten <laughs> is going to have Python three. By
0: default. Yeah, that that is a goal. Yeah, I know that's that a goal. goal. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, Barry's got that as a goal, and and I know that I would love. I think there's a lot of people that would love to see that. Um, yeah, I think
2: time. that's great.
0: Shipping yeah, on the on the on the CD, so. Um, well, very cool. So, um, speaking of uh, the the sprints and stuff at PyCon, I was floored. At I mean, I was there a year ago, and there were I don't know what you know. We had a room with a bunch of other frameworks and stuff too, and we filled that up pretty good. But it sure seemed like there were a lot of Pyramid folks at the sprints this year. And what floored me was a lot of new users, a lot of people that were coming for the first time. It seemed like. Um, how did how did you see the sprints going from your end? I know you were kind of running around playing uh, facilitator from person to person with things. Yeah, I thought
1: I I was you know it was a huge turnout. I mean we had like 50 people there or something. I mean that it, it, I I couldn't even keep track of the people there. That, that's how many people we had. But I mean and that's not like big for for you know Rails or right. I mean even Django I, I suspect is is has that many people. But you know. The the last the last set of sprints I was at were like twelve. <laughs>
0: you know yeah, I mean, so. no, it, I, I think the big thing I want to kind of bring up is just that the, there seems to definitely be a growing community around Pyramid, the, the web framework. Um, well, and also around Python, I think. I
1: think. Oh know, yeah, that 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 PyCon was just off the hook. I mean, that, I, that was insane.
0: It was kind of crazy. I remember, I remember they had an announcement the first day of the sprints. I think there were what four hundred or so people at the sprints. And um, it kind of just floored me because PyOhio, which is our regional conference which is on its what fourth or whatever year, has like 350 people there. So it's kind of just amazing that the Python sprints, people willing to just sit down and work on Python projects, not you know, not just coming to come in and get a ticket and sit in a talk but to act- actively participate was larger than the whole regional conference that we go to here. <laughs> well, how how yeah. many people were at PyCon though? Oh, good grief. I think they they meant to cap it at what 2000 and they forgot all the people that got tickets because of sponsorship and it ended up at like 2600. Oh okay. If I, if I yeah. recall correctly, those are very yeah. rough. someone someone will probably correct me. you know send your feedback to uh, feedback at localcast.net uh-huh. and tell me how wrong I am. but I think mm-hmm. that's about what that the numbers worked out to be. I mean, I, I was
1: at you know, uh, a Python conference in, you know, 2000 or something. And, it, you know, it was about the size of, of, I mean, there's maybe like a hundred people there or 200 people or something. <laughs> so to see, to see 2,600 people there, I mean, 2,600 people is a lot of people. Uh, if, if you like see a room full of 2,600 people, there's a lot of people there. I, it was just insane. And it was, it was definitely the biggest PyCon I had been to. Uh, oh yeah. I mean,
0: obviously. Yeah. I, I think they cleared, they cleared the record books pretty pretty good for for, for a Python conference. Um, I I can't compare it to you know like a Ruby conference or uh, or even stuff like the JF JSConf and stuff. But um yeah, it, it, I've been to a lot of you know Linux conferences and things and and it sure seemed large enough for my taste. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, I couldn't imagine going to, like one of those Oracle things where there's ten thousand people in oh. Vegas.
0: Just re- ridiculous. Oh, that's that's gonna make me cry. The idea of ten thousand people paying Oracle licenses. <laughs> that's, that's
3: when you go walk up and down the strip and get drunk.
0: <laughs> uh, so that's that's really cool. Um, what's 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 on the horizon? What's currently going on? What's uh, what, what's on the docket? I guess for one point four. Or um, I saw some mention about some kind of uh, kind of a pyramid collective of bits and things to come together. or – you know, what's going on in the community right now that we should keep an eye out on?
1: Right. Uh, yeah. yeah um, oh, man, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mat- Matthew. Uh, God, I can't remember the guy's last name. I'm sorry, but his IRC his, Nick is uh, Kjorke. He's trying to put together a, uh, a sort of place where people can, can collaborate on, um, on Pyramid uh, add-ons. And um, so we're trying to sort of hash out how that should work. And uh, I think Ben's working on some sort of information architecture stuff. We actually put together a a fundraiser not too long ago for working on the docs. And I was floored when lots of people contributed. And we we raised a little over $5,000 to... Give to Graham Higgins, who is going to work on the docs and has already done yeoman's work, sort of putting together, you know, a plan and analyzing things and everything. So hopefully I I know it is amazing. It was it was it was shocking to me. You know, Uh, I think
0: today in today's world, like the whole Kickstarter and just, you know, so many people want to help with things and just don't ask. Um, you, you think that oh no one no one will do this, and it's amazing the response you get when you actually do go out there and go like hey you know I would like to do something useful. Is anyone willing and supporting it? And, and a lot of people go like I don't have time right. I got a full time job. I got yeah. a family at home. I got my own hobbies. But you know what? I am more than happy to throw fifty bucks your way to like have you help make things life easier for me down the road or whatever.
1: It takes all the steam out of my cynicism. It really does.
0: <laughs>
2: It's
0: very depressing. Oh. Poor Chris. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have, have to send send you some new self-help books or something.
3: <laughs> or some new cynicism books. One of the two.
1: <laughs> but uh yeah, we have you know, we have that going on and then, you know, there are lo- there's lots of work going on in the repositories for pyramid and pyramid related stuff. I am I am currently I have been doing for several months now, uh, re- I'm sorry, Rick recreating. What is something very Zope like? <laughs> uh, uh,
2: say it isn't and, so. Uh, <laughs> it is,
1: it is true. Uh, it's called substance D, which, which does not have a release or anything, but it's, uh, it's in the repository okay. and, uh, I, you know,
0: well, some, sell, sell like I, on I this. can't let's, let it go, man. I can't see, let it go. Sell me on this. What's it? It, it. All right, you just can't live without typing get utility. Is that what it is? Or um, there's no
1: get utility in this thing.
0: Okay. Okay. Maybe we can talk. Maybe we can talk. That, that, was, that was that was my fun today. Um, uh, so no. So what's what's the selling point? Sell me on this. What's awesome? Well, and I guess well. well first of all, let me actually ask you this because this is kind of back to our Python three thing. Um, I'm noticing is the Zope stuff really like maintained? Is a lot of this stuff going to get to Python three? Are we going to get Python three build out and ZODB and stuff like that?
1: Well, ironically, um, all the stuff. I mean, you know, so Pyramid depends on a few zip libraries. All that stuff's already ported. Right. Um, but it's really that's, that,
0: that's a little bit of stuff, right? I mean, it's. I mean, the the, the transaction manager, I think, still and and.
1: No, that's ported too. Right. No, no uh, right, that's, what, that's
0: what I mean. That those are the things that Pyramid relies on that that is ported. There's like two. I think there's like two of them, right? Or
1: yeah, there's there's Zope interface um, and then the transaction. Well, Pyramid doesn't really depend on the transaction manager, but we put it in scaffolds yeah, or whatever. Gotcha. So really, really, there's only there's only Zope interface. But um, over the last few months, people have ported a bunch of the sort of core things like Zope configuration and Zope schema and, and other things. We don't use those things. They're right. they're sort of you know not not we they're not dependencies the of Pyramid, but uh, ironically, uh, that stuff is getting ported at a at a faster clip than um, than the cool new stuff. I think mostly. Okay.
0: Um. Well, that, that's cool. Lots, I lots just I, it's not very public. Like you don't see a lot of you know, like you don't see on Reddit or Hacker News, "Hey, this this stuff is now." Well, that's good. Cause,
1: that's because every every time somebody mentions Zope, they get kicked in the shins. So
0: <laughs> you know,
1: uh,
0: right, I mean, there, there is that. You can't that. really expect them. You <laughs> can't really expect them to
1: be very loud,
0: but, uh, they're, very, they're very quiet. I I, I, yes. I, I pushed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nobody look. Uh, yeah. I did a push. Like that. <laughs>
2: okay, I got gotcha. you.
0: Um. So what's so what's uh, what's the big selling point of, uh, of of this new bit here with the, this, this more zopey?
1: Well, um. So. I mean, to be to be brutally honest with you, I don't I don't really care if anybody uses it or not. <laughs> but uh, the, the thing that I'm working on now, uh, you know, we write a lot of applications for customers, and they they all require sort of a manage you know management interface and and users and groups and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's already a, a number of things in Pyramid that you know you can use to do that. They're all based on Seq Alchemy or some some derivative or Mongo or whatever. Right, uh, but. I need my I need my ZDB man. I'm sorry. I, is that I, is that really what it comes after? Like
0: yeah. I well, I mean, and I I, think, I heard really good things. Um. Now I'm gonna blank on. So name. you have you have the you have the worst of both worlds. Like you, you're <laughs> using like
1: Zope without ZDB. <laughs>
0: right. Right. <laughs> yes. No. I I use Zope with a with a with a mishmash of SQL object and Storm, Storm. and and uh, who knows what else. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So no, but um, I'm so you know, I did Kevin. I'm um, jeez, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot myself when I get off this uh, podcast. Um, Kevin, he works at Mozilla now. He used to he was out here uh, in Michigan around the Michigan uh, Python. Dangor. Kevin Dangor, yes, that's his name. You know, he actually before he headed out was really be- seemed like he was becoming a big fan of ZODB and that it was a really good. You know, there, no sequels all the rage, and ZODB's been no sequel since you know, good grief, who knows when. Um, and seem to really do some really, you know, good, interesting things, really nice and easy to kind of get started with, you know, to start dumping things in. And I know the Plone guys love it because you can just, you know, infinitely nest your document structure stuff, just keep going, you know, documents inside documents inside documents to no end with Zodb. Yep. yep. I mean, you, do that, basically... you do that with SQL and suddenly you've got these, you know, lovely nested join conditions that just, you want to shoot yourself in the head as a, as a DB admin on it.
1: Yeah. The, uh, uh you know, other people have, have frameworks that use hierarchy, you know, built on, mm-hmm. built on SQL. And, um, I think, it, I think it mostly works and it's not really for me, a matter of like, um, whether that's good or bad or whatever. It's just, mm. it's just, I'm, I'm just lazy. <laughs> i would I'm just lazy. I don't. I don't want to know. And I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already know this. This stuff works. And I. You know. So the the, the selling point for this stuff. I, I mean. For. You know, lot for lots of people, I think that like, you know, something like the Django admin interface is a is a useful tool, and gets people interested in. Uh, sorry.
3: <laughs> no worries. <laughs> well it's, it's a selling point cuz I know a lot of people won't pick up pyramid because it doesn't have the Django admin interface.
1: Yeah, well pyramid pyramid pyramid's sort of written at a different level than than Django is because it yeah, doesn't right. depend on any any database or anything. So they're, they're 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 not really even sort of running at the same level, but but this, you know, this thing, this Thing that I'm creating, plus plus all these other frame, you know, these other frameworks built on Pyramid are are more comparable to Django because they have an admin interface and they have they you know have database database dependencies and everything. But um, in those, I mean, if you walk up to the Django admin interface and you you say, okay, you know, I I want to give I want to give Bob permission to do X, you know, because right. Bob needs to edit things. What you're able to say out of the box in Django is you're able to say I want to let Bob edit posts. You know, you can't say I want to let Bob edit this post and not any other post.
0: Right. You it's know? not true it's, ACL, right?
1: Right. And it's not it's not hierarchical. It's not hierarchical, so it
0: can't. Right. You
1: know, it it can't inherit thing. I mean, you know, it's 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 not as granular as you as you might like for things like content management systems. Why it's yeah. You know, that's why it's popular. Alone. And for lots of things, that uh, that level of granularity is is required. I mean, there's not there's no there's no way around it. You're going to build it anyway. You gotcha. might as well have it built in. You
0: know? So, well, very cool. Well, anyway, um, no, I mean that's we we'll look forward to seeing uh, what comes out of that, and uh, I definitely want to keep an eye on and see what happens with this uh, this collection of uh, pyramid add-on bits. Um, it sounds a lot like it. I'm kind of curious to compare it to um, UE has a contributor's uh, like repo where you can get your, your modules and your plugins and stuff kind of hosted by UE, hosted by their CDN. It's in their Git repository. You kind of get your code up in there, and everyone can kind of get at it very easily. And that sounds like this might kind of go towards that kind of central repository sense. So that should be fun to keep an eye on. Yep. All right. Well, Chris, we would love to have you hang around with us. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit. We're gonna let me get my little rant on. Um, if you want to come hang out and rant too, you're feel free.
1: I'll heckle. I'll All heckle. right,
0: heckle. All right, heckling's good. We don't have a lot of heckling going on. I, we tend to keep it at ranting level. But uh, I did. I had. I saw this, and this went this went everywhere. So everyone probably saw this already. But we're we're gonna have to just chat about it. Um, Someone, I don't even know who did this, um, but it got all over Hacker News and Reddit and, I mean, just all over the Internet. They call it the 501 Developer Manifesto. And it's got a lot of bullet points that, hey, make a lot of sense, right? Our families are more important than the commercial goals of of business owners, right? And our free time is more valuable than free snacks. And living our lives is is better, you know, more important than maintaining our personal brands, which I have to say – Uh, the whole like social media experts setting up their brand thing. Nothing gets me going more. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so I mean they have a lot of good points. But the problem is that they do this in big font and then down in the small font, they go, hey, if you write a technical blog, if you contribute to open source, if you go to user groups, if you uh, read books about coding and productivity and stuff, then you know what? They, you know, we respect you for it, but we kind of pity you too, you know? And this really kind of got my goat because I, I ranted a while ago about the whole nine to five developer. The developers that go into work, they start their work and they end their job and they go home, and um, they don't, in my experience. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just you know get my broad brush out here to paint. Um, because of that, they they lack the passion and the motivation. I find to do a lot of self improvement as far as their skills. As developers and interests and in things, right? Um, you find so many times that skills come in from outside. You know, oh, I played with Backbone in this outside project, and we should, could do some really cool JavaScripty stuff in this new work project because I've got experience with it. Um, or you know, hey, I go participate in this local Linux user group, and I saw a great presentation on Postgres. Why don't we see if we can do something in Postgres instead? It might be better, and it will be better than MySQL. Um, <clears throat> and I find this whole manifesto just drives me nuts because it basically says, hey, we work nine to five. We go and we do our job. Leave us alone. Um, you know, they, the the tagline at the end, end is that to us it's just a job, but we still do it well. And that right there just screams I lack passion for what I do.
2: Yeah, I
3: think it's different strokes for different folks. Uh, do you? Just take, okay.
0: Just to take the devil's
3: advocate approach here. I mean, I... I you know, I, I am guilty of pushing code. Uh, I like programming. I'm going to be doing Pi Week next week because I'm insane. Uh, these these are things that people do because they like doing it. This is, this is our hobby. This is, I mean, we, we are lucky enough that we can make our work our hobby. And I don't think there's any shame in that. But on the same token, for some people, it is a job. It is something that they get paid to do. It's something that they feel... They don't necessarily have to bring home. They want to spend time with their families. They want to go surfboarding or, you know, sit in coffee shops and talk with people. Whatever they do on their free time, that's fine. It's just I, I don't I I see I see it as kind of orthogonal. I don't think that being a nine to five developer necessarily means that you're not care you don't care about your craft. But on the same token, you know, there's there's folks out there that we know that, you know, they're they're up all hours of the night. They're coding. Uh, if you don't see them with a the computer in front of them, you might want to check their
0: pulse because they're probably dead. You know, I mean, I, I, I will say that we, we've got a guy on our on our team at Launchpad whose IRC nickname is Lifeless. And so it's obviously the pun that when he's on, when he should be asleep, you know, that, you know, he's living up to his IRC, Nick and stuff. So, and and I think I want to throw the extremes out, right? I want to throw out the extreme guys that do nothing but work on just their code and stuff that don't have a family and all that. And I want to throw out the extremes of that probably shouldn't even have their job because they're really not qualified to even do it anymore. Um, But this 501 manifesto just really just, oh, it just rubs me the wrong way because these (laughs) these are not people I want to work with. you know what I mean? It's like these are the people that I have spent my career trying to drag kicking and screaming into better developer practices and newer and modern tools and 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 I don't know. I mean, um, what's your experience, Chris? Have you I, obviously now you're kind of in a small kind of consulting y you know gig. I mean, have, have you have you done the cube farm bit for a bit? i mean, what have uh, what have you experienced and seen out there? Am I crazy?
1: <laughs> uh no I don't think so i mean uh i've done you know i've done the cube farm bit i've worked at several places where I was just a cog but uh i mean I, I, to, to sort of take another devil's advocate position on it is that i think lots of times uh there are there are people you know that can get things done very quickly
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and are very regimented about what they do and they are able to cram into like I'm 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 hopeless. I mean I I can't do anything quickly. You know I it, mm-hmm. it requires for me 12 hours to go do something that I think should take me two. You know? Right. But there there are people out there who who are who are very focused and they know exactly what they're going to do and they get it done. And sometimes it might not be the way I would do it. You know. Right. But at the same time, you need those kind of people on the team because they drive things forward. Right. You know, they are they they are not here to have fun. <laughs> you know? mm, Right. They're here to get something done. So uh, I, I think I think you need them. You, you need some of them.
0: I guess maybe I just spent too many years changing career paths, to change my degree in school and stuff to kind of get into this gig because. Now, I'm, I always like to preach to everyone that if you don't love what you're doing then go change it. I don't care what kind of pay cut it takes or what you know if, if you don't enjoy what you're doing from the hours of 8 a.m you know whatever pm then uh, there's there's no one to blame but yourself to just get off your butt and and go fix that and it just these it strikes me as like you know to us it's just a job and I guess, I think maybe that's what it comes down to. Is like anyone who says that my job is just a job, I automatically—I don't care if you're a you know a trash guy. If you're a trash guy and it's just a job, then then you and I need to chat. I just have issues with that.
1: I I would agree that people that don't like go to con- you know I mean good maybe not go to conferences or at least try to try to do something outside of their normal you know yeah. they are probably probably pretty hopeless. But I mean, people who just wanna wanna you know. Want the exception to be that they stay until right. 10 instead of, you know, I don't blame them at all. They have, you know, they're just,
0: they need, right. they need their time. So. I guess I'll stop and think about it more. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm trying. I, I've got too many automatic bad reactions to just some of the terminology. Um, and it's just, it just doesn't fit. I know it doesn't fit me. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I will say, though, that I definitely, like, when work, when the work day ends, the, the launchpad code goes away. Um, that's That's for sure. Um, but I do find that you know whether it's my own projects or you know helping others with Is their that, projects.
1: It, how many wines does that take?
0: How many what? How many wine glasses does it take? Does it take to bury the launch pack code I was just working on? Uh, it, it generally takes yeah. about it generally takes about one git clone. To get off and onto something different, you know. Notice it's it's a git clone, not a b z r clone or b z r branch or whatever, and and then I start to go ah okay this this feels a little more natural. (laughs) Uh, All right, well that's kind of curious, but it does lead me to the one thing I do want to kind of tie in with this is that there was a great post, um, and I will not even attempt to say his last name, but his first name was Frederick. And it basically was the idea of the post is that you deserve practice, and we've kind of talked just about this before. How you know in the old days it used to be that your company would put you through training, right? We have a new project that needs a new, whether it's education or technology or whatnot. You would go to training for that technology, and in today's world, that just I, I just don't see that anymore. And I, I do put the onus on on individuals that if you want to do something differently, then you need to go out and learn how to do it. Um, my big comparison is always I used to do PHP for years and years, and I saw Python and I fell in love with it. And I said, I want to get paid to do Python one day. And it took me a few years to learn enough, to practice enough, to you know find someone who would pay me to actually do Python and take a chance on me. Um, but, you know, I went and did that and now I'm a happy camper except when I have to do a lot of get, you know, get utility stuff. and launch. Uh, But, you know, the idea is that, uh, you know, you, his, his, uh, I guess his article is just here is about that, you know, really a good employer should provide practice time for the employees to uh, venture outside of what is the normal things to kind of find uh, new ideas and technology to bring back in. And, I mean, do you guys really see this at all, like, in work anymore? Or? I, I think
3: you, you can find it in places that allow developers to have the 20% time. You know, the, the whole idea of, you know, Fridays you can work on whatever it is that tickles your fancy. Mm. I think that would be a much better thing for developers because, you know, quite frankly, if you're, if you're putting five days in, let's say you're, you're putting in your nine to five. Right. Uh, doing your development in that and hopefully not taking it home. With you, as I know some people do, you need to have a little break from it. You need to be able to just sit back and say, you know, I want to I want to play with something else. Your mind will your mind will take that time for you, regardless of whether you give it or not. You'll be sitting there flipping through RSS feeds all hours of the day, (laughs) you know, trying to let your brain go
0: enough.
3: You know, it, (laughs) it wants that. It needs that. It needs to have some play.
0: I don't know. Chris, have you worked for anywhere where they would basically kinda of take you off and go, hey, we're gonna teach you some new thing because we need it for something? Hell no. <laughs> okay. The um, one the one thing I, I did mean, I, Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I was I was just gonna say I, I you know I the the place the place that I, I enjoyed working the most, again, you know, was was, Zope, I worked at Zoop Corporation for a while and that place was great because <clears throat> You were always operating at like sort of 15% above. Well, at least I was. I don't know if mm-hmm. anybody else was, but like 15 or 25% above your your competence level. Right. And I think I think that's kind of the key is to like people that are unwilling to challenge themselves are are probably not gonna do well. I mean, they're gonna eventually they're gonna find themselves in you know this sort of play to the mainframe yeah. programmer where they. They're going to get laid off and they're not going to be, able, you know, their, no, that, their skills are going to be
0: useless. So. That is a, a great point. And I, I, I definitely want to hit that one home because I have told a lot of people that when they see a job description, they go, oh, I can't do everything on that list. And my answer is that, look, if you're not if you're not swimming to keep up, then, you know, you're not in the right place because, um, like you say, like I, I have definitely found that where I have gotten jobs where I was definitely in over my head and it required me to catch up. And then in the process of catching up, I generally got a chance to blow by whatever it was that was going on and to learn new things. And I will definitely say that. If if you go into work and you are not challenged at all and you never get that feeling like, oh, crap, I told the boss this would be done next week and I have no idea that that's actually going to happen, then I think you're definitely missing out and you definitely need to try to challenge yourself more or find someone else who will challenge you more for that. That is an exceptional thing to do for sure.
1: This is why lots of people get involved in open source too, because their jobs
0: are not challenging. They don't. They don't have the <clears throat> the challenge. So you know, and and we that's should what, be glad you're right. You know exactly that. It's amazing time right now to be a developer because you do have the avenues. You know, just because work is this does not mean that you can't go outside of that and better yourself. And that's where I get back to the manifesto driving me nuts, is that. You know, it's I've so rare to have an employer employer that will challenge you and advance you and push you forward um, just within your day job. And I just I can't see getting, you know, that being enough without getting outside of that to push yourself and to learn more and to do more outside of it.
3: I'd submit that actually it's probably a response to someone who is getting challenged, someone who's like at a startup or something like that who has the temptation to bring work home with them because work yeah, is just a yeah. VPN
0: client away. I gotcha. So maybe the 501 manifesto is is uh, is written by some guy out in Silicon Valley who's just had a rough week and was like, hey, look. I want to have a life. Well, I mean, right. You could,
1: you could you could tell because one of the points on it was like, we want free
0: time, not free snacks. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, can, you know, I can sympathize. You can sympathize with that one. I
1: mean, they, you know, those folks, those folks in those sort of startup, startup places, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I don't know, I don't know how they do it, you know. I mean, and they have to, they have to draw some boundaries, and, and I mean, it's so easy to get burned out, you know. I mean, right. You can't constantly be, be, especially when you're not doing it for yourself. If you're not right. doing it for yourself, and you're, you're sort of at somebody else's bidding, then. It's just misery.
0: I mean, it's just yeah. That's where I find the open source so liberating. When I've had a rough day working on Launchpad, I I love the fact that I can put it away, but still go feel like I'm having fun hacking on something by getting my own projects out of the drawer and hacking on them instead.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, if work is going to spend two thousand dollars for you to have a laptop and and a <laughs> sleeping bag, yeah. and they won't <laughs> uh, foot the bill for you to have you know a little time off, you you know where you stand.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I think you just got, you know, you got to get older. You got to age. And then you're not, you're like when somebody offers you that kind of job, you're like
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> Dude, you no know, chance, I buddy. I I had that recently, you know what? There's a lot of startup culture kind of kicking up into the Detroit area. And I've had a couple people come and approach me with stuff. And it was kind of like, man, there is a siren song of, like, a startup kind of, you know, get in, like, build really cool stuff. You know, you've got a lot of leeway with things. And it's it's all about just getting stuff kind of done. And, look, there's there's no politics. There's none of whatever, whatever, whatever. And you just kind of go, man, that sounds so cool. But, you know, my son's daycare is a mile up the road. <laughs> and I really like I really like that at three thirty, I hop on my bike and I go get him. You know what? And so I, I can understand for sure. It really is an interesting world, the kind of the time to live in these days, for sure.
1: No, that said, I think that that's great. I mean, I think the people like guys who are just coming out of college and everything are, are should do that. I mean, they should go and, oh. and live that
0: what Life i wouldn't lap, give then, to be like know. 20 again what i i mean i would i would give so much to be 20 again and to kind of get to experience some of the stuff um you know you're like yeah. you're like 100 you're like 100 now right oh Dang. 120 easy um yeah, I, I i lost track somewhere around 80 you know
3: <laughs> yeah and I, I remember when the ends were just mere saplings
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well okay so let's wrap this one up uh I'm very curious to see what you guys think. Where do you guys stand? Are you guys 501 developers? I do my job, I go home. Or are you guys, you know what? I do my job, I go home and then I have a thought and I hack on something of my own or I contribute to open source in some way. You know, let us know where you stand. Send us an email at feedback at lococast.net. Times runners, so we're gonna skip a- along. We're gonna talk about toys because we all Ooh. love toys. Woo! Craig, you have yes. you have joined the revolution. I hear. I
3: have, I have. I used to have an iPhone that was provided by work, and the hardest part of moving to a different job was giving up that phone and moving to the crappy prepaid phone that I had prior to that when I was unemployed. What what was it
0: like like to have a flip phone again?
3: Oh, God. I actually (laughs) broke it in half. It it pissed me (laughs) off so much. I literally just snapped the thing in half and, like, destroyed all the chips in there with wire cutters. I hate that phone. I hate (laughs) that phone. I hate that phone. I won't even mention the company's name because they don't need the advertising. Just (laughs) screw them. Anyways, but a company that I do like is Ting.com. And if you go over to This Week in Google... I think they have a link in one of the episodes back Search in the, in the wiki. They have a uh, $50 off coupon on a new phone. But I picked up the Samsung Galaxy S2 and I am in love. It is an absolutely gorgeous phone. It's not it's a 2.3 phone, it's Android 2.3, so you don't have ice cream sandwich quite yet and god knows when Samsung's going to actually push but for what I use a phone for, it is absolutely an amazing device. Ting is awesome, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it is Sprint, so you have that little caveat. You know, Sprint's terrible in your area. It's not going to get any better with Ting, but uh, definitely check it out. Well, that's it's cool. T i n g dot com, and I I don't remember what the offer code is. I think it's T W I G. I'll have to check. But def- check out this week in Google. You can find the code
1: there.
0: Awesome. Welcome to the Android Revolution. Thank yes. you. I have a I have a the
1: older generation, the Galaxy S. Well, actually I actually have a Nexus S,
0: I guess. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. I, I love it. It's very nice. Very cool. Yeah. No, that's I. You know, I've I've got a Galaxy Nexus, so I think we're all we're all like cousins of each other now on our phones here. They should uh, get together and have a family reunion or something. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um. My toy this week is actually a toy that I actually purchased months and months ago, and I just never got around to plugging in. Um. There's a guy uh, from Red Hat who is gotten this, um, this bug about taking care of trying to get Linux um, having good color calibration for your monitors and displays and things. And if you do any kind of uh, um, graphics, uh, imaging, video, or um, in my case, a lot of web development, um, having a properly calibrated monitor is actually a very good thing. It's nice when you you know do your CSS and your color scheme that you lay it out that you have some faith that that's kind of the real color that you're seeing. And monitors vary so much, and so many people have very very cheap monitors um, that it's a it's a bit of a challenge sometimes to kind of get real colors. And so he's got this open source open source hardware little device called a color hug. and um, I hadn't used it because just because I, you know, it, it requires you to use a live CD. And I was like, well, my laptop doesn't have a CD drive and, you know, whatever. Um, but I finally decided that I was going to try to plug it in and get it going. And I have to say, he's done an amazing job with this. You, you basically, I put the ISO onto a USB drive, booted my laptop, it boots a Fedora install. It's okay. I survived. I saw GNOME 3 for the first time, I had never seen it before. Um, because it, it boots into that, but basically there's a new in your, in your, uh, your control panels, um, set up, there's a little color option and you can actually generate ICC color profiles for your monitors. So I did that. I've got three monitors and my laptop itself, two of the monitors are the same. And the third one's the, it's a different model. And I went through and it took me, it, it's, it takes about 20, 25 minutes for like a very thorough color training kind of calibration run. And it generates an ICC file and then just basically sticks it in and runs it. And so it's kind of cool. Like when you boot off the live CD, you, you hook it up. You hold the little thing in front of your monitor. I actually taped it to my monitor, which I'm generally very anti. Nothing touches the display. But Good God. My arm got tired. Dude, like <laughs> Around minute 12, I was like, you know what? Cancel. Get the tape out. I taped it onto the screen. And I said, all right, let's try this again.
3: <laughs> Did you cut your own fingers off? Because, oh. God, you'd never touch your monitors. I know that.
0: Yeah, no, no, I, I have some cleaning to do, but it was definitely, it was definitely worth it. Uh, it's very kind of cool. You can actually use these ICC profiles. I, I don't run GNOME or any of that stuff, but there's a command line kind of command you can run to set them up. So it's very weird. Uh, the colors started out looking out very, very red from what I was used to. Well, I guess a lot of monitors ship with a yeah. very cool blue tint. And... Um, it just it, – it's started a chain reaction because suddenly my Vim color scheme didn't quite look like what I was used to and I was trying well, out – Was that
3: why you were going all nuts about yeah, your Vim color
0: scheme? Yes, because it, it kind of cascades. Like when your colors are suddenly different, you start going, man, that color scheme doesn't look as good as it used to. The terminals just isn't quite right. And I went on a whole cascade of changing my color scheme, my fonts and everything. Um you ate the forbidden fruit. You shouldn't just, have done it. I did. Yeah. Um, but what's great is I, I really love. I mean, really, I bought the thing because I want to support the idea of uh, open source hardware, right? I want to support right. the idea of, of color, you know, advanced kind of abilities in Linux. And so, really, I gave the guy a check more less for the device and more just because I wanted to support the endeavor. But I have to say, after using the device, he's done a great job with making it very easy to use. Uh, it updates the firmware in itself and everything. Uh, it, it was definitely a very sweet experience. So check it out. It's a color hug. The actual website will have in the show notes. Um, Works great. I just have I have a little uh, shell script thingy set up that when I boot up my laptop, if it's using my laptop screen, it fires off that ICC profile. If I'm docked, whenever I dock, it actually then loads my two monitors that I dock with their ICC profiles under the right monitors. And so uh, I'm still getting used to it. But hopefully by the time, you know, they say it takes a few days to get used to the color change and kind of come around. So hopefully it'll be kind of interesting to kind of have, you know, four different LCDs that all supposedly will look the same and, and treat me in a nice and, you know, singular way.
3: Well, I can't wait for coming to Coffeehouse Coders and you go to everyone's monitors and go, oh,
0: my God, the color temperature's <laughs> off!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I am bringing the device and my USB live boot, you know, uh, install disk to Coffeehouse Coders tomorrow night, so we'll hopefully get some calibrated machines going on.
3: <laughs> it's like those video essentials DVDs that give you the blue film, so you can make sure that your television's all calibrated. In that, did you guys ever use those? Nope, never
0: heard of it.
1: <laughs>
3: oh,
0: geez. okay. Apparently, I'm the weird one that does. You that. would,
1: you would though, Rick, if you had it. If yeah, well, you exactly. know,
0: the question now is, how do I do this to my TV, right? Like, how do I hook this up you to might. my TV and load a, an ICC profile for it? Because it's gonna bug me now, right?
3: Well, you may be able <laughs> yeah. to. Just convert it over uh, so you can play with the settings and get it as neutral as possible. But yeah, good luck oh, with
0: that. I, I buy expensive monitors, but I buy dirt cheap TVs. So I'm guessing my monitors have more ability to show better color than my TVs do. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can show which one's more important in my house. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Chris, I hear you've got a little bit of a new quote unquote toy that you've been playing around with.
1: Oh, yeah, well, I installed uh, this thing called, what is it called, Ubuntu? <laughs> I Ubuntu?
3: I, I, I think that's how you uh,
1: say it. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I installed the latest uh, Precise uh, 1204, and um, I had been using 1004 before, and it was getting a little long in the Ooh, tooth. And...
0: wow, so you were you were a couple years old then. You skipped the yeah. whole, you, you, you jumped into Unity head first, huh? Uh, well, let's talk about that in a second. Uh, <laughs> all right.
1: All right. Uh, <laughs> did you do the upgrade though? I did not do the upgrade. I just, okay. I just, I just installed from scratch. I, I very rarely do upgrades cause I know how hard, hard it is to do upgrades. So, I mean, right. for developers to do upgrades. So, uh, so I just installed from scratch and I'm, you know, I have a ThinkPad something or other and, uh, it went great. It installed wonderfully. It, Looks great. I mean, it just—it was a flawless process to get things up and going. All my stuff worked. I mean, no problem. Of course, my laptop's a couple years old now, so that's not yeah. not that surprising. But um, but uh, like you, where you were, you know, obsessing over your color scheme, I obsess over my fonts. Yeah. And I had to go and obsess about that for a. I mean, this was a, a three-day thing, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> you know, where where you sort of get it kind of going, and then you, um, you know, like...
0: Been there, done that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I had done it before once on, on 1004, so I had my notes from that, which was really helpful, because uh, I was able to remember. I mean, it's mostly the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got that done. You know, everything looks fantastic. I mean, it looks great. It looks... Looks great. It's beautiful. Unity, on the other hand, I cannot deal with.
2: No.
0: (laughs) No. So it's kind of interesting because uh, a lot of people don't like Unity because I've got the rough – I call them kind of you know pre-release versions in the last few releases, the unstables. But this one seems to have really fixed up a lot of things. So is it just the fact that it is so different or are there like bugs that you actually hit that you're like, look, this bug is killing me?
1: No, there's uh, there were no bugs, uh, and and it's it's mo- it's mostly down to preference. I think it's just okay. You know, sort of. I have dual monitor set up. I don't I don't need right. the thing floating on both my both my screens. And I you know I did try it. You know I, I sure sure sure. It. And uh, I do I did like the you know the the dash and the hood and all that stuff. It was pretty neat. Um, but you know people are creatures of habit and so now i just i punted back to gnome classic and and that you know i mean one of the, one of the things that that bugs me in general it's not really about ubuntu it's just more about i guess, I guess gnome derived things is that you know you're just emasculated more or less. I mean,
0: <laughs> you can't do anything <laughs> you know i mean you just i don't you, i you like, know you know, it, 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 it is interesting because the first few Unity releases, my big thing was like, look, you guys have given up on me as a <laughs> advanced developer, guy who knows what he's doing. You have given up and said, look, our market is not you. And that's when I went to Arch. However, right. what I found interesting was in, in this release, there was actually a lot of feedback requested and stuff like, look, we need to make this work for developers and so that's where stuff like the HUD and stuff I think kind of came out of was the idea that you know developers are keyboardy, you know, let's make everything keyboard, more keyboard friendly and some of that, you know. So that was I did like to see that, but uh, but no, I I can definitely relate with the whole concept of that, you know, why sometimes you just feel like this is not made for me anymore. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, and I mean that said, I mean if you install like I would, I would recommend anybody who has 10.04, or, you know, whatever, you know, some some older release, install this because you can get a totally working, totally workable setup if you use, you know, GNOME Classic or, you know, yeah. GNOME 3 or whatever, and not use Unity. I mean, it's great, it's fantastic that uh, the canonical folks made it possible to do that because it means they haven't completely given up there. They're still
0: well, I mean, it, it is back. Anyway, it is yeah. it is still a De- Debian derived distribution, right? I mean, it's um, it, it's it's still Linux under there. I, I know I personally run mine with an awesome tiling window manager. Um, my my main machine, you know, I have a, another machine that runs Unity and stuff, so I can dog food and test and whatever. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think if the, I think some people get way too hung up on what the default thing is. Like, oh, I don't like the default music player. I'm going to go use a different distribution. And I just yeah. can't help – I can't help but shake my head and go, like, really? Like, <laughs> I mean, did, did you know there's a thing called apt? <laughs> you, you, can, <laughs> yeah, you, can you can install whatever else you really want. Um, <laughs> I mean, that said, I, I know uh, our friend from our local, Greg, who's out west, he actually ran into a bug where he was trying to install Ubuntu – use gnome 3 and there's some conflict with the way keyboard shortcuts work between the two and so i mean that i mean there there are some some issues that need to be worked out as far as like being able to use whatever you want but uh, but that's well, cool. I mean, that... i'm i'm glad that you had a relatively good experience as far as install went and 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 all that
1: yeah it's it's great i mean it, like the i don't give i don't care about defaults i'm willing to put in the time to go change all yeah. the defaults uh, but the you know the 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 sort of interesting thing is that my, my desktop now looks exactly like it did before. I mean more or less, <laughs> you know, right 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 no difference but which is which is great because like I I just moved and now I have all the new stuff and and it and it all just works. Isn't I mean,
0: it isn't that great? You know like now is. now postgres is actually in version 9 and vim is right, seven right. Seven dot 7.3 and it's you know firefox whatever but you know what the buttons are still where i had them huh. last and the same keyboard shortcuts are still running and <laughs> It's awesome. (laughs) Well, that's cool. I'm glad to hear that that's working out all right for you. Everything. I would be really interested, as someone who obsesses over things like fonts and stuff, if you had a chance to write up a blog post about what you did as far as your font management goes. Um, Oh hell hell with you, Rick! Oh come on, please! Um, Especially because I don't know if you noticed or not, but the next release, um, you know, Mark kind of hints at some of the targets, which is so. The next release is going to be. It's a quetzal. It's a q. It's a quantal quetzal. Yeah, so it's like a quantal, like a quantum bit kind of thing, quetzal, uh-huh. uh, which is a bird, which is actually in my son's flashcard animals, which is why I was all happy. I knew what a quetzal was. Uh,
3: I think I, of Qantas whenever I, I hear see <laughs> quantal. I'm sorry. I think like why why is this quetzal on an airplane? Because
0: <laughs> because I know what a quetzal is. I did not know what a pangolin was or whatever. So I'm all happy. Leave me alone. Um, but. In his post, it brought up that some of the things to work on were things like font rendering and some UI kind of polished stuff. And so I'm curious, a, because I also like to obsess over my fonts. I, I run completely non-standard fonts and set all that up myself and stuff. And I'm curious how you get yours to work. But um, b, I'm also curious like uh, how that compares to the work that needs to be done in the Q release here to get font rendering and stuff made a bit nicer for everyone out of the box.
1: Yeah. The thing is it requires, I mean, there, there are so many subsystems that require so much playing around and tweaking and knowledge about like the you know, the Emacs font setup works different than the, than the, than the Chromium font setup works different than the Gnome. I mean, it's, it's just, it's insanity, but I, I know why it exists that way. It's, but it's, you can make it all go. You know, it's not. It's not impossible. It's just.
0: It's it, crazy. You know. To this day, I have no idea how sound on Linux actually works. That, well, I mean, the,
1: the great, the great part about sound is you don't have to know. I mean, <laughs> you just don't fucking have to know. It, you know. <laughs>
0: I, you know, but it, the, the the fonts is a lot like that. I, I know I've got my custom fonts directory, and I I have my own custom x defaults file, which sets up some font rendering stuff for my terminals and things. And and I've gone in and tweaked my Chrome font stuff. And so I'm, I now, I'd be cur- I would love to see what your what your kind of setup is and what and what you tweak because I'm, I'm I'm guessing I could get some better stuff out of mine.
1: This is, this is going to be dull and boring. Not to belabor this because I know you I sure. have to move. on. But but does it matter that my Screen is 120 DPI, but everything else thinks 96 DPI. Does that so,
0: matter? So, you know, I actually in my when I change whether I'm docked or not docked, I actually manually override my DPI because at some point in time when I had not had a full glass of wine and was blurry visioned anyway, <laughs> um, I I tried the couple different DPIs on my laptop display and I swore I could tell a difference. And so, yeah, I
1: I, I, I I think I think we need. I think we need somebody to investigate this. We need to pay somebody. somebody <laughs> All right. Us, See,
0: here we go. We, we, we're busy. We would be more than happy to <laughs> yes.
1: 50 bucks to fun. fund. Panic Turk for X.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, But I'm curious if that's what some of the work that will be going into the Q release will actually be. I, I'm excited about this release now. I wasn't originally. I'm like, I'm happy. Everything works. I'm really kind of a content user. But uh, if they make my font rendering better, I might suddenly be very interested. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, very cool. Um, that's toys. All right, so let's finish this off with books. I was supposed to – I did purchase Practical Vim from the Pragmatic Programmer Series with the intent to get enough of it read to do a review for this episode, and I failed. Uh Uh-oh. the way I the way I look at things is that I use Vim as my daily editor. I'm a Vim nut I've done screencasts on localcast.net. If you look in the screencast category, you'll see my four almighty important screencasts on why Vim is awesome. And I've I've heard Chris talk about Emacs and I've I've resisted any temptation <laughs> to start a flame war. But anyways, um, there is a book from Pragmatic Programmers called Practical Vim. Uh, I've only gotten through a little bit of it. It looks like it's going to be interesting because it's very much a very hands-on – it's almost – not recipe, but what do they call them? Cookbook? Cookbook, yeah. Kind of of set up. So we'll we'll see how that is. And hopefully for the next episode, I will have a full review of that book. So I bow out. Craig? Yeah, I I
3: picked that one up as well, and I haven't had a chance to leave through it either. So – but yeah, it does. It does look like you know, from the from the quick leaf, it looks like a very very good book.
0: There are just some topics that I feel are underserved as far as the the tech book stuff goes. Anything that's written on Postgres or Vim, or um, I'm trying to think of what else, uh, anything terminal related, command line related, I automatically just buy just to fund it. Like, you know what, like we need more of this kind of stuff out there. And so this kind of fell in that situation, but I also firmly believe that if I can get two tips, if I can save time in two ways, it will, that will more than pay for a $20 book in, in time saved in my actual work, you know, eight hours a day or whatever above that I spend. So exactly. Well, I picked up a book
3: uh, as a review copy of Introducing HTML5 Game Development. And the subtitle on this book is Developing Games with Impact. What that doesn't mean is that these are impactful games. This means that you're going to be using the Impact.js framework, which I didn't quite know when I picked Ah. up the book. (laughs) so Sneaky sneaky. (laughs) It would be nice if they put the little .js in there to help you out so that you figure it's a framework. Anyways, regardless, uh, the prop, the framework itself is ninety-nine dollars, which is a bit pricey in my humble opinion, but regardless, it looks it's, like a pretty it's cool. what? It's ninety-nine dollars for the framework. Oh, the the impact.js framework? Yes. Yes.
0: Whoa.
3: Yeah, it's a little pricey. But what's neat about it is that if you wanted to do sprite based games using HTML5, it looks very solid. It has a uh, it has a built-in level editor as well. Uh, the name is escaping me at the moment, but uh, this book really goes through not only just a little bit about how to develop games and his approach to developing games, but also talks about using Impact.js uh, for building those games. And he goes through step by step what he what he does in order to make these games work. I just picked up a framework just recently, so I haven't had a chance to go through it 100% and, you know, follow the, the <laughs> examples.
0: I told you you have to learn some JavaScript. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we actually had this question on IRC today. Someone wanted to take their Pygame game and put it on the web, and my first response was learn JavaScript.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that would be the easier way to do it than to try and get Python working in a browser, but... Hey, if you can figure out how to get Pygame Game working in a browser, let me know. Or so, if there is something out there that'll do
0: it, let me know. Are you going to try to get a copy of the framework then and actually make something, or just kind of a I've copy of the framework? I oh, have you a copy. Oh, yeah, okay, I
3: picked, I picked it up. So I am going to do something with it. Probably after I play with uh, Pi Week, or maybe a little bit beforehand to get some of the some of the juices flowing. Hmm.
0: And... All right, cool. We'll have to check it back in with you then and kind of see what the end result is and uh, get a GitHub. Uh, a url from you there you go all right chris do you read are you a reader you you, <laughs> I, ha- you do have you have <laughs> you, you have i mean no this guy's commits until like i i get up for work at 6 a.m thinking i'm all early and he's all like all right i've got to go to bed guys
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've been pretty good lately I, w- I was i was on a roll for for a while i was i was going to bed at 11 getting up at like 6 or something but but you know I sit in I sit in my apartment all day, so it doesn't matter, you know. Gotcha. I can I can I can basically work whenever I want to, but but I I can't read. No, no, I don't. Okay. I don't know How to read?
0: <laughs> Just write. Just write documents. So thanks thanks for making me feel bad, Ray. <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> Jeez. It's like ah. an after school
3: special. <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: But uh, I I I have a I have a a book that I that I wrote.
0: <laughs> oh, you did. <laughs> I <could> talk
1: about. <laughs> let's
0: hey, let's throw that out there.
1: Oh, well, no, I mean it's it's the it's the sort of official pyramid docs, but it's
0: Yeah, I But it's I bought this book at PyCon, not this year, uh, but last year.
1: I know you did. I know you
0: did. It is and, a big uh, freaking book.
1: It is a big freaking book. <laughs> and and we're going to try to make it shorter. It's it's uh 750 pages long now or something like that. Some, some, somewhere in that range and uh, so you know one of the efforts that we have is to make it smaller I mean I don't know how that's going to work I
2: was going to say
3: you're going to abbreviate the word Python and just call it P uh, uh,
1: yeah that might lots, work that's, lots of you know, lots Craig, abbreviations Craig you're a, you're a smart guy
0: you're I smart try guy, uh, uh, you should hire him we should get him in on the team uh, this, this, is, this is a good idea
1: uh, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to make it much better. We're gonna try to make it friendlier for for people who are just coming to uh, Pyramid in particular. I don't I don't think we're gonna be able to make it. I think Pyramid's too low level to sort of start at you know. Yeah. You've never written a web app before, or you know, I mean, we can try. We'll, we'll try, right. but we're but I think for the most part, it's it's still gonna be aimed at people who maybe bounced off of another framework or are, you know, reasonably competent with web technologies. But have you thought um, about
3: splitting it into two books?
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: but man, Craig, it's a lot of work.
3: I know it's a lot of work. I mean, (laughs) writing one book's bad enough.
0: (laughs) You wrote 700 Uh, pages. Can you write a few hundred more? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah it's it's just i mean i think i think actually this this uh you know the idea that people contributed this money is a huge huge help to us and we can right we you know i can get some help from from graham or and other people to do stuff and there are other there are other people contributing and everything so um hopefully we'll have a new you know a new shiny version out whenever the next version of pyramid hits
0: very cool We will definitely look forward to that and to purchasing our own giant monstrosity of a book in the future. (coughs) Can people still get that? Should, could, could they get that from somewhere right now? I know I I actually got to add PyCon itself. Is it the the the, somewhere? Yeah. The dead tree version. If you like paper to sit on the toilet with.
1: (laughs) It's, it's out of print at the moment. Uh, Oh, okay. So, but you can get the PDF from, uh, pylonsproject.org and, uh, and eventually, I'll probably try to try to publish it again. It was, you know, it was beer money. So gotcha.
3: All right, maybe, well, maybe throw it up on Lulu or something like that and do a print. Yeah,
1: well, I, I I actually self published it before. It was it was on Create, you know, Amazon CreateSpace, Space, which is the same hmm. same sort of thing. And that was that worked out way better than trying to do it through a publisher because you have so much control.
0: Oh yeah, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of interesting. We'll have, to, we'll have to chat about that in a future episode. I'm, I'm kind of yep. curious what the the current print. I know there have been a lot of books written recently that have been kind of like the Amazon print on demand, not print on demand, but you know, self publish. I think the Python decorator book was kind of done that way, and some other stuff it recently. Is,
1: it is. Well, I mean, that that my thing was definitely print on demand, but it was it's a real book, man. You hold it in your hand.
0: No, I I, I definitely hold my door with that every day. <laughs> <laughs> Just just kidding, but um... Rick. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we shall bring books to a close, (laughs) and we might as well bring the whole episode to a close because we have crossed our time limit, and we want to get Chris back and busy working on Pyramid, and quit sucking up his valuable time. So I can't can't thank you enough, man. It's great to chat with you. Um, I, it's kind of nice to chat with you outside of a PyCon and IRC where I can actually kind of hear you. Um, we'll have to get video going at some time so I can actually kind of look at you and go, oh, yeah, hey, I remember you. Um, <laughs> but I, I do want to say from all of us out here, we want to thank you for Pyramid and the time and stuff you do put in. Um, I don't know if people realize exactly how much work is involved in making that stuff, the documentation and the project move forward. And I don't know how the, how, how you do it. Honestly don't. Um, I can't Got even it. get my own little project using pyramid to move at a rate that you get the whole project to go through and 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 herd the cats uh, as they it's, say.
1: It's, it's you know it, the the illusion is in pretending <laughs> that you actually do stuff and making other people do stuff. so
0: working well. Yes. So with that, I want like to thank you all for listening, and I will want to bring up to the point that we have in fact recorded. Uh, two episodes in a row on time On a bi-weekly basis Suck so, the blue yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not um, But I'm your host Rick Harding Looking forward to seeing you next time I'm Craig Maloney Thanks so, Thanks so much <laughs> We will thanks allow for- you to Tack on a different ending <laughs> Yeah I'll do something with that
2: <laughs>